for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks. And I will be teaching today from Mark 15, 1 through 5. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, you're welcome to. Last week we talked about uh, position and assessing value, or correction, not position, but assessing value in that we saw that the Sanhedrin, the religious they sought position. They valued position. That the sinner values Jesus, if they're if they're valuing properly, and that Jesus values all of us. And so, if you haven't heard that, I'd recommend you go back and listen to it. But today, I want to talk to you about righteousness never does. I'm going to talk to you about what righteousness never does. Uh, we spend much of our energy, I think. Well, not I think. I know. And rightfully so, probably, um, discussing what righteousness does. And we should, because righteousness accomplishes a great number of things in us. Amen? A man with righteousness has everything necessary for life. Here's why. This is what the Word of God says. He is righteous because Christ Jesus is in him, right? And because of Christ Jesus, we have access to all spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1 through 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, was, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say, every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places in Christ. So we have access to every heavenly blessing in Christ Jesus because we are in Christ Jesus, we are righteous, and because we are righteous, we have available to every spiritual blessing through that relationship. Everybody in agreement? And so to say that I have Jesus is to say that I am righteous, and to say that I am righteous means that that righteousness allows me the spiritual blessings the Bible promises me. Here's what I want you to grab a hold of. That's not a heavenly places later. That's a heavenly places right now. You have Jesus right now. And so the promises of heaven are available to the believer right now. We, we sit and we think and we discuss and we contemplate and we, we dream and imagine about all the incredible things that we'll have when we are in heaven. And in fact, that'll be sight like none of us have ever seen before. But there are blessings, spiritual blessings available to the believer right now and right now and right now. So reckon what that means. This is what that means. We've been given everything we need to accomplish good works, according to Ephesians 2.10. We've been given everything we need to have heavenly provision, according to Matthew 6.25-33. And so I've been given everything necessary to equip me to do everything God's called me to do. That's a blessing, a spiritual blessing. I've been given provision. That's a spiritual blessing. I have been given, we have been given, you have been given absolute security and strength according to the word of God, specifically Deuteronomy 20 verse 4. 
and that's just the beginning, the very tip of the iceberg of what you're allowed and provided through Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. Why? Because you are righteous because you are in Christ Jesus. And so righteousness accomplishes a lot of stuff. Matter of fact, anything worth having, I would argue, is a byproduct of the righteousness we carry because we are in Christ Jesus. It's important that you understand this if we're going to move forward. And so because of that, man, we have grace because of our righteousness. We've been on and on and on and on. And so we spend the vast majority of our time talking about the things that righteousness affords us. But let me tell you, we rarely talk about what righteousness doesn't do. We spend a lot of time talking about what it does do. But just as important is what righteousness doesn't do. There are things because you are righteous you should never do. And let me read Mark 1 through 5, 15, 1 through 5 to you so that I might break this down. Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, it is as you say. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly. Then Pilate questioned him again saying, do you not answer? So how many charges so how many charges they bring against you? You. But Jesus made no further answer. So Pilate was amazed. Let me tell you what this says. This says four things, specifically that I'm going to talk about today. That righteousness, first, doesn't cower in the dark. The very first part of the first verse says this, early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. Early in the morning would have been the morning according to the schedule of the day for the Jewish population, which means it would have been early in the morning enough to be dark outside. They did this for several reasons. One, because, and most significantly, I think, is because they wanted to get Jesus killed and they needed to get him killed before the Sabbath because they couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. And so if they met and conspired and got together and discussed what they were going to do with Jesus early enough in the morning, they'd have the whole day to accomplish this evil mission. Amen? Secondly, it's when the Roman courthouse met. The Roman courts met early in the morning. They handled their court business first and then other, other governmental issues after that. And finally, they wanted to make sure there were, or, oh, I'm sorry. And finally, they wanted to make sure that they were doing it in the dark, sadly like our own government, so that the population wasn't aware of what they were doing. Here's the problem. Righteous people, righteousness doesn't lurk in the dark. The Bible tells us that we are to be the light of the world, to live in the light of the world, to shed the light of the world. My granny used to say this. It was always made me mad. It made me mad because it was true. Uh, and that's do what you want to in the dark, the light will expose it. 
This is her way of saying, yeah, you could tell that lie if you want to, but I know better. Or you can hide that if you want to. It's a matter of time before it gets found out. And guess what? Every single time it got found out. It just got to the point where I just I wasn't even a Christian then. I just thought, yes, I did that. You're going to find out anyway. I might as well go ahead and get this beaten instead of this beaten plus the beating I got for lying. Right? And so, but she was right. That which is done in the dark will be found out in the light. And we are called to be people of the light. I could prove this to you in Scripture. Most of you are so familiar with this text, I don't need to necessarily, but I'm going to anyway. Matthew 5.14 says, You, everybody say, me. me. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I would say should not be hidden. Jesus Christ died to place his Holy Spirit in us that we might be the light of the world. It, it is not our responsibility. It is a slap in the face of the sacrifice that was made for us to cower in the dark and not express the light that we've been given. It says, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Church, it's time to come out. There's such a negative connotation in this, but it's, it is what it is. It's time for us to come out of the closet and act like we got some sense. It's time for us to get out of the closet, stop lurking in the dark and proclaiming the truth instead of fussing that the world is in darkness when you have the only remedy to that darkness, which is the gospel message of Jesus. I got asked not very long ago, what, do you, what is my opinion about the active shooter that happened in Nashville? My opinion is that I don't have an opinion except for that person was doing what sinners do and if that person was told the gospel, if that is the power unto salvation, perhaps if she got saved before that happened, that would have never happened. Stop worrying about the sinner and what they're doing and just start telling them the truth. People say, I'm not supposed to judge. That is so true of the unbeliever. We're supposed to judge each other because we've made a declaration of faith. But we don't judge the unbeliever. What do we do? We tell them the truth and let the power of God, which provokes salvation, to work in their life, loving them, serving them, and speaking kindly to them. That's what it is to be the light. It's time the church stops cowering in the dark. Stop getting together early in the morning. Stop allowing your actions to be covered or never discovered or never provoked. Instead, take a stand for what is right. Stop cowering in the dark because righteousness doesn't cower in the dark. Amen? When we cower in the dark, we do dumb things. Anybody ever done dumb things? I haven't, but I know some of y'all have. And when we do dumb things, this is what happens. When we cower in the dark, immediately they held a consultation. And binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Let me tell you a second thing righteousness doesn't do. Bow to popular opinion. Consultation. That means they got together and they discussed. They took a vote. 
about what am I going to do? What are we going to do about this Jesus? And we can't do that. We have to accept Jesus for the truth of what the Word of God says Jesus is and act according to that declaration once we make it. The world is in the condition in which it's in because we've allowed ourselves to consult with one another instead of the Word of God in regard to what our convictions are going to be. My pastor, this, this whole sermon was birthed out of a statement my pastor said 15 years ago. And as I'm reading through these verses, this statement just pounded into the front of my skull. And then God started revealing these, these different points. He said this, compromise is the virtue of a man with no conviction. And that's exactly right. These men are willing to compromise by consultation because they have no conviction about what they say they have conviction about. Even if they didn't believe in Jesus, they had no legal authority, no right or reason to prosecute him, to have him killed. And so they were, they were disobeying their own laws of righteousness in committing murder and in lying about Jesus. Amen? And so, but they allowed themselves to do that because they had convinced themselves to do that. I was talking to a friend of mine probably 10 years ago. Well, acquaintance really. About 10 years ago. And he said something about some girl he knows. About how good she looking she was, blah, 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 something. But he's married. And I told him, I said, you got to stop saying that. First off, you're married. It's wrong thought to have in your head. But secondly, let me tell you, you're going to say that enough to yourself and that you're going to consult your own conscience enough times that you're going to compromise who you are and you're going to lose everything who, that you are because you over and over and over said that that was okay. Faith comes by hearing, remember? Yeah. It's worse when we get together and hear the same things repeated over and over and over again because if I'm living in sin or if I'm living in righteousness if I surround myself who are confer surround myself with people who are confirming or denying that righteousness or that unrighteousness guess what both of those things are going to grow in me at a steadier rate than if I was doing it by myself because I have someone to affirm in me that what I'm doing is okay Man, don't worry about that. You could cheat if you want to. It's just a little something on the side. It's not that big a deal. It is a huge deal. Stop compromising with yourself. It's a huge deal. Stop consulting with anything other than the Word of God by the Spirit of God so that you might walk in righteousness because righteousness doesn't bow to public opinion. I feel like I'm, I'm saying enough about that, but I ain't done saying nothing about that. The truth requires very specific things from us. I'm going I'm to give you one example. Micah 6, 8. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good. Would you agree that the Word has told us what is good? We talked this weekend about the Word is inspired by God. That it's that it's useful for all things to get right, to stay right, to know what's right, and to, and to know what's wrong. 
And so he said, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. This is what we're supposed to do. It doesn't matter if you've decided amongst yourself that it's not okay or that it's not necessary. You have to act justly. You have to act in loving kindness. You have to walk humbly. It doesn't matter how many times your friends tell you you can do something else. The word of God is absolute. And the obedience to the word of God proves that you belong to God, period. Thank you, Lord. So stop consulting your friends, or society to determine whether you're going to be obedient to the word. Sadly, Christians don't just consult with their friends. We consult with society. We consult and we go, I don't know, man, what do you think? If I do this, if I, if I say this to them, they're not going to like me. They're going to be offended by me. They're going to cut me out of their circle. I might not get that promotion. I might even get fired. That's not your problem. Your job is to not compromise. Your job is not to consult the intent of society in determining who you are. Because you are righteous. And righteousness does not compromise who it is. Does not consult with anything other than the Word of God by the Spirit of God to determine the actions we're going to take. Everybody all right? Let me ask you a question. How did we get to a place in America where 30 years ago, maybe longer than that, we had a nuclear family in every household, but now we have single mother homes? How did we get to a place where bars in places of ill repute were closed on Sunday and everybody went to church? How did we get from a place of self-reliance, and what I mean by that, didn't expect anybody to take care of us, we worked for what we had, to a place of governmental reliance and welfare system? Let me tell you how. We weren't, obe we weren't obedient to the word. We compromised the word. If we'd obeyed the word, our families would still be committed. If we obeyed the word, places like Bars, strip clubs, these kind of places would be closed first off indefinitely, but certainly wouldn't be buying for time on church on Sunday. Had we consulted with the word of God, then we wouldn't have to worry about governmental programs taking care of the church or taking care of the people. The church would take care of the people and man would work. You know why? Because the Bible is clear to say if a man doesn't work, if he's capable of working, it's our job as the church to take care of those who can't work. But if a man is capable of working and doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Government will say, don't work so I can feed you so I might be the Lord of your life. The church says, go to work. I hold you accountable to work because you have a Lord over your life and the government's not it. Amen? But it's a dismissal of the word of God. The Bible tells us what is right. Mark 16 through verse 15 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
That's what it tells us to do. I don't have to compromise about that. I don't have to consult about that. I don't have to consult with you about that. Even in your, even though you're righteous, I don't have to ask you what I'm preaching about as long as it comes from the Word of God. My objective, my purpose, my declaration of obedience is to preach the gospel as should yours be because you are a disciple and the Bible says you should. 1 John 2.29, if you know he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. We are called to be righteous. And in our righteousness, we don't consult in regard to our sin. We consult the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and wise counsel provided it doesn't contradict the word of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Second or thirdly, righteousness doesn't dismiss the truth. Pilate asked the right question. He asked this question: Are you the king of the Jews? He was there to, on a fact-finding mission. It was court. You know what court's for? To determine what's true and what isn't true. And so he asked the right question, but he was dismissive about the truth that was revealed to him. He was given the truth, but did nothing about it. If we turn to John chapter 18, which I'm going to do, we see a a more holistic view of this conversation between Jesus and Pilate. Starting in verse 37, I'm sorry, John 18, starting in verse, my pages always stick together. 37 through 39 reads like this. And Jesus, I'm sorry, therefore Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king, for this is why I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And this is what Pilate says to him. What is truth? He asked the first, the right initial question. He asked the right second question. But he did nothing with the information he was given and dismissed any possibility of an answer by immediately turning from Jesus before Jesus had an opportunity to tell him what the truth was. You know what the truth is, church. Stop dismissing it. You are righteous. Stop dismissing it. Except that Jesus Christ is the truth. And I'm not talking about some subjective truth that's subjective to your emotions or the way that you feel or your circumstance or any other thing. It is objective truth. It is literally the foundation by which we can build our whole life on without any concern of that foundation ever shifting or moving because it's inspired by the Spirit and because it's inspired by the Spirit, it's as perfect as the God who breathed it. Amen? Amen. And so we have to accept the truth that he is the truth. We have to stand on the fact that he is the truth. Now, what is the truth he would have told him? That's the question. I came to declare the truth. It's for this reason I was born. 
I came to preach the truth. What would he have told him, you think? I believe it's probably, if you look across the landscape of his ministry, the truth that he is the king, not a king. He would have told him that through him, through Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he would have done everything necessary to evangelize him because as he said, coming out of the desert after his 40 days of trial, it says that it's that time that he began to preach and declare, repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is Jesus. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? And so the truth he would have said is, you're going to hell and judged already, according to the word of God. You are sinner both by birth and by action. But I have come that you might have life and have that life wonderfully and eternally. And all you have to do is put down these accusations. Declare me as the king that I tell you that I am. Stop dismissing it and live the life as called you to and ordained you for. Amen? That's what the church needs to grab a hold of. Why do I have these kind of conversations with you? I have these kind of conversations with you because I want you to have these conversations with your friends that don't know Jesus and those friends that do know Jesus. Be the message that Jesus would have told Pilate had Pilate listened to him. So the righteousness doesn't dismiss the truth. And then finally, I'm going to end on this one. Righteousness never defends itself. One of the hardest lessons I've ever learned, learning, is no one needs to hear my side of the story. All I do when I declare my side of the story is muddy up waters that are already muddy. I let my life tell you who I am. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He refused to defend himself. And I lost my page. Hold on a second. In Mark 15, it says this. But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. Why? Because he was in a courtroom. He's used to hearing people plead and beg for their life. But Jesus knew who he was. He knew why he came. In fact, the plan for him coming happened long before the foundations of the earth were laid. So there's no need in him defending himself. The truth doesn't need defending. The truth just needs to be stood on. Amen? Amen? So stop defending yourself. I have found that defending yourself just makes you look guilty. No matter how often you say it, no matter how much you say it, no matter how many words you use to say it, set it down, let Jesus defend you. Because the Bible says he'll shut the mouth of the liar anyway. And trust that he'll take care of you.
and it says that he will in Psalms, in Psalms 91, 4. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. A bulwark is a large defensive wall. Hide behind Jesus. Hide behind the truth. Hide behind the righteousness that you have and act accordingly. Don't defend yourself. I found this, this quote in regard to defending yourself, and I, and I can't help but imagine this is why Jesus didn't. It says, I don't know how to defend myself. Innocence cannot even imagine being under suspicion. Jesus couldn't imagine why he'd be under suspicion because he'd never done anything wrong. And because it's impossible for innocence to imagine it's under suspicion, it just sits silently. Sit silently in your innocence and let God love you and prove you. Amen.